Well, I reckon we got us an inside peanut butter outside jelly situation. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> A seven days of the week, seven different Chevy situation. Well, howdy, partners. Howdy. You're listening to the Forever Pod, America's most patriotic podcast. I'm the dark caballero, Matisse Van Rossum. I'm the horse whisperer, but not the shitty Twitter one, Ben Sheets. Ooh. I'm a ghost rider of the Rohirrim, Cleveland <laughs> Mosier. <laughs> well, we're recording this on uh, the start of a 4th of July weekend. Yes, sir, roll tide. And every time a 4th of July rolls around, Independence Day rolls around... It's time for another Purge movie. Can I say it again? Roll Tide? Roll Tide! Can roll I get a Roll Tide? Tide, brother. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, brothers. And, uh, yeah. So tonight, we're going to be talking about the uh, brand new uh, latest installment in the Purge franchise, The Forever Purge, uh, directed by Everardo Gout and uh, written by Purge creator James DeMonico. This is the... Second of the Purge movies that James DeMonico has not directed, but he has written all of them. This sure was a Purge movie. <laughs> yep, like, even though he's not directing them, they are still very much James DeMonico yeah, movies. this is, if there's one thing that I'll say about the Forever Purge, is that it sure is a Purge movie. <laughs> yeah. But, Cleveland, this was your first Purge movie. You have not seen the other four. Not a single one. And, you know, like, I'm baby on the podcast a lot, and that's fine. But, like, uh, in, this, in this circumstance, I don't think I've ever been happier to be baby on the podcast. You know, here's the thing. I am a huge fan of going back to the source material. That's my jam. If there's a book, I'm going to read it before the movie comes out if I can. In this instance, it was the opposite. I actually got a lot of joy out of going into this one and being the variable, like, amongst us who, like, I have not. I've never seen a single Purge movie. I've never been interested in a single Purge movie. But the trailer for this one really had me going. The other ones, honestly... It bores me. I don't I don't think the premise is like that that much to write home about. It doesn't really intrigue me very much. Anyone can put on a mask and go out during this time. You could maybe have some fun stories worked in there, but it's not really a good opportunity for like a horror villain. Like a Mike Myers or whoever, not a not you know? a singular villain. Yeah. Not a like, singular villain. And if I'm gonna watch like a slasher really or whatever, about. like that's more my speed. Yeah, and it's a preferential thing. It's nothing it's nothing against the uh, the films. But this one had such flavor to it off the trailer like as soon as the guy says a new purge the forever purge i was i was fucking sold i love cowboy shit i grew up watching john wayne movies and you know like i have come back around there's a long time where like i went without watching john wayne movies or whatever because it's problematic you know and all that stuff but like i really come back around on it you know as i've gotten older and stopped clutching my pearls a little bit and uh recognize that like you know, it's it's an art from artist thing, and I and I still like can enjoy those movies and acknowledge like the bad. Point is, I wear cowboy boots everywhere. I fucking love cowboy shit. I'm um, wearing a cowboy hat right Tease now. Tease is wearing a cowboy yeah. hat right now, and we're I bought saying, it at the gas station on the way home from this movie. Hell yes, inspired by the very film. Now, what I was saying is, we just need to get Ben like a duster or some assless chaps or something, like a yeah. big. 
Texas a belt buckle. Oh yeah, a big, big belt buckle. You wear good. Yeah, you wear well. Yeah. Like yeah, we'll get you a big belt buckle, and then between the three of us, we'll be a whole cowboy. We'll make one single cowboy. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't wear yeah. a hat. I don't wear. I don't wear a hat. But you now have a hat. I now have a hat. So Ben has yeah. a belt. We're a whole cowboy. Well, yeah. you 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 talk about the the western aspect of this movie, and we can get we'll get more into this as we as we go. But I think one of my larger criticisms of this movie in general is that. It doesn't lean into the Western stuff hard enough. I agree. And I think every, it has it has the veneer of a Western, but it doesn't have the hallmarks of Western films that I would want from something like this. A lot of people wearing cowboy hats, but it was missing like like a high noon shootout or something. Like I think they really missed. It great was missing that, that real cowboy shit. Yes, this movie could never be as cool as its poster. Agreed. Not happening. Yeah. Like, and I that would poster say that, is I would so say that kind good. of holds true about most of the Purge movies in yeah. general. The marketing material is almost always better than the movie itself. I would yeah. say that uh, the first Purge, and by that I mean the fourth Purge movie entitled The First Purge, uh, is maybe the one that is as good as its promotional material. It's entitled? Um, well, every Purge movie is set in a different American city. This Mostly, one, yeah. yeah, this one is set in El Paso and Texas in general, mm-hmm. where I was wanting more of almost spaghetti western homage yeah. and western influence. It feels like normal generic purge movie that happens to be in Texas. Yep, agree. Um, which and they, was they a bit sla- of a bummer. And they slap cowboy hats on all. Yeah, the and of course like- you know it's used as a vessel to talk about illegal immigration and illegal immigrants Mm -hmm. that kind of struggle but it doesn't get as biting as earlier movies in the series have like the first purge gets really direct in its ideas of using the culture and and using the purge as a means to call the poor yeah uh which is one of the things that i thought was really good in terms of commentary about the first purge once again the film titled the first purge not the first purge film yeah dan that's mad confusing dude it sucks man when we talked when ben and i talked about the first purge we kept having to reiterate that that's what i thought was good about that one is that it really gets into this idea of like that the poor are the ones who suffer in the purge like the that's always been sort of like the overarching themes like the rich can afford to ride out the purge in safety and comfort while the poor people are culled but we really see that them dig more into that in the first purge and this one is like the purge universe's take on like maga culture yeah but in sort of like the shallowest sense yeah it feels almost vague they don't go into it very deeply besides uh they want to purify the, the country they, America, they dig yeah. into the white supremacy stuff and that's about it well they don't really dig into it it just kind of is like the people who are forever purging just want to kill all black and brown people like yeah. that's they don't really they don't really dig into it any more than that there's a little bit of like exploration between like the two main characters because like the big crux of this movie is what if a rich white family and a poor mexican immigrant family have to come to together to survive the forever purge right they sort of like 
make little bits of commentary here and there, but it feels like they're afraid to actually say anything. Really? Other than, other than white supremacy bad, which is yeah. obvious. Well, okay, yeah, so, like... Okay, that's fair. I guess I also just don't, don't think James don't DeMonaco is into smart the... enough to yeah, really yeah, see. Like that's, that's what I mean. That's like, the thing. I wouldn't expect or really want this movie to get like too deep into the nitty gritty of of like those details because of the kind of film that it is. It's like a it's like a wacky action film. It's it's a fucking theme park ride. Like you're constantly like in a car moving from one place to the next, shaky camera being shot at. There's always like movement and tension. In that movement sense, and it is next very location. much a purge yeah. movie. All and, the purge movies yeah, are like that. That yeah. rules. And uh, I love I love roller coaster ride films. And in that kind of film, I'm not expecting it to ever like need to slow down or to get into the weeds about it. I can do that on my own time, and that's okay. One of the reasons I I, I felt the need to speak too was that. Uh, uh, I, I found the commentary to be extremely heavy-handed. It is all over. I mean, you don't expect subtlety yeah. in a purge no, 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 movie, no, no, no. but this one may have been the dumbest one too. Yes, out of all, I would of I would agree. It's we should say off the bat. Ben and I were talking about this a little bit before. Like, I don't think that this is by any means the worst of the franchise. But it is the dumbest. It's the stupidest, I think. Yeah. Um, that might be a pro. I, I which, wouldn't know. Which isn't, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. None of, the, none of these films are particularly smart. Um, and I don't think that's really what I want from the, from the Purge movies. But this one is sort of continuing the trend of the first Purge in terms of getting, like, explicitly political and in doing so it doesn't have a whole lot to say it's just really shallow commentary done extremely heavy handedly and kind of muddled too like there are a couple of times in the movie where like I had to sort of stop and ask myself, like, what is this film's politics? Like, I think I know what they're trying to say, but there are a couple of times where it's like, I don't think they really know what their own politics is. I kind of like that about it. Like, America's really confused right now. People are always confused. The film, I thought, kind of captured that in a fun way. I would much rather have it make the bad guys look cool and have the heroes also say neat things or whatever and have it be a little unclear what the film's message is than have it just be like lean in and feel like total like propaganda or whatever for like one one perspective i'm be real like when the cowboys like first storm the ranch most of their rhetoric is like classist and i was like these these guys seem kind of cool like that's that's what i'm talking about though because they are presented those particular characters are presented as explicitly villainous but the things that they're saying, I think, speak to a lot of the class frustrations happening in America right now. And I found myself having a hard time disliking them when the movie is telling me these are the bad guys. See, it's telling you they're the bad so, guys, but it's also telling you they're cool. They're dressed cool. They're dressed yeah. really they're cool, dressed dude. Cool. They're, dre- they're, the, they're the coolest like thing about the movie, frankly. like They're definitely why I wanted to see this film. And they're, I wish there was, there was more of them. I, I kind they, of they hate how quickly should have been the villains throughout the whole thing. Yes. And this is something else that Ben and I were chatting about briefly before, too, is that, like, I know this is your only exposure to The Purge Cleveland, but I think that in terms of, like, the villains and the set pieces, this is one of the least creative ones so far. Yeah. It's it's narratively a little bit tighter than something like uh, Election Year, which is the worst one, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But in terms of set pieces, that film 
film is way wackier and more creative. There's more cool masks and costumes. And this one does that a little bit at the beginning, but once it gets into like the true quote unquote forever purge stuff where the official purge is over, then it just sort of becomes like far right militia aesthetic. Dude, right. right. Like, who thought it was a good idea to like. Get rid of the cowboy villain early on and replace it with a normal army dude. And turn into yeah. the Proud Boys. Yeah, like, and like that's... the Proud Boys stuff is fine. Put that at the beginning. Also, let, let me ask you guys. If, I guess we're just going to bounce all over the place. Yeah, yeah, The movie sure did. Uh, <laughs> did they not kill the Black Hat? Think about it, right? Like, he's got the family up, right? And then, like, the two guys come in and, like, they, they shoot them all. And then our protagonist is over the top of the villain, the Black Hat. And he punches them a few times and he says something to them. And then they say, they're the other guys. We need to leave. And he, I don't, they don't shoot him. They just kind of, like, we don't see him die. I honestly can't remember. Yeah, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, like, either. I was really tracking it because I was like, I hope he's not dead yet. I want more of him. I want more of but all of this. come back, yeah. Yeah, yeah like... This guy's chewing up the scenery. I, I love... Instead, they introduce, like, another villain, like, 30 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, that was be, weird. Like, yeah. then be, like, there, there's a long span of the film just, where like, there isn't, a, like, a core villain. Yeah, who they just, like, meet in an alley, and, like, they kill his girlfriend, and then he, like, spends the rest of the movie, like, hunting them down. Like, that feels like something that should have been introduced way sooner if they I, were gonna do that. I feel like, very possibly... Something of something was cut out of this movie, and it was replaced with some of those shaky shots around that time too. Because remember, like some that. of the sequences where they get, like the sequence where they get split up, I could not tell what split them up. It was so shaky and stroby and flashing. No, why did they? Yeah, split? I have That's no a idea. Great question. I, I swear to God, that. it's because a, di- a scene was cut out. I could see that. I feel like yeah, something was was taken out of the movie. Maybe because like it didn't do well in like focus testing or you know whatever it was like too maybe like like hit the nail too much on the head. I don't know. Here's my my theory on that. I, I think you might be right that there might have at least been there might have been some reshoots or some recutting because I'm assuming that this film was supposed to come out this time last year and then didn't. Because I'm pretty of sure that's true because Yo. they love to drop purge movies in election years. The end of the Trump presidency, although at the time they wouldn't have known that it was the end of the Trump presidency. He could have been reelected. But, like, this this movie feels like it was made for last year. And then what I think they might have done is they might have recut or reshot some of it after the, the quote-unquote insurrection on January 6th. Because the whole idea of the Forever Purge, of what we see in the Forever Purge, I couldn't stop thinking about how this is what both sides of the aisle want to imagine that January 6th was. The right wing, the right right wing wanted to imagine themselves as like cool badasses, like storming the Capitol and like (laughs) and doing their own thing and and like, you know, taking on a corrupt government and taking the law into their own hands. That's how they wanted to imagine themselves. And liberals want to imagine it as like crazy people, like taking over, you know, no one is attempting an insurrection. No one is forever Trump. And but then what in reality is is just like they broke into the Capitol and wandered around for a while and yeah. sat at Nancy Pelosi's desk, you know? Yeah. Like, so... Some guy got arrested who's, uh, like, making, you know, like, requesting to not have, like, or to be, like, vegan food in prison and all Right, stuff. so, like, like the, this This feels... What, what, what's, what's that guy's... What, what, the, Q, what? the QAnon shaman? The QAnon shaman. <laughs> yeah. God, that's such a good name, too. But, like, yeah, this... this 
the whole time I was like, man, the Forever Purge is like if if January sixth had been actually like a yeah, real insurrection. I wonder how much they recut it because that's a really good point. But also, like, there's a line earlier in the beginning of the movie where it's like a news interview with uh, the Native American dude, and he's like... With Hanzi from yeah. Fargo. Yeah, right. he's like, the purge is like a virus. It just keeps spreading, and I'm like, ooh, they shot this before right. <laughs> the they, pandemic, uh, huh? See, I think, I think that some of that stuff might have been reworked in after for, for extra commentary, because there's that bit where they, they, they talk about lockdown... Also, and like I don't know the, the way that they. they sort of, I mean, they talk about lockdown in every movie. Uh, yeah, that's the, the whole thing. The whole deal with the purge is locking down until it's over. If <laughs> honestly, this feels like such a weird time to release this movie because, like, post Trump, it feels like a weird time to like put out a movie on MAGA culture, and just like considering the whole Capitol riot thing that happened earlier this year, and then basically having a movie that just is that on a grander scale. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what the fuck they're, what they're trying to, trying to say here, but in terms of like a purge movie, it was pretty by the numbers. Yeah. Like, aesthetic aside, I'm really curious now, Cleveland, for you to see more purge movies because, uh, like, I think that, I think if you see a couple of the other ones, then you'll maybe be a little less hot on this one. We'll see, see some that have some really kooky, creative shit. Yeah, I would definitely like to see more of that in this film. The opener is 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 so much so much fun for it. But, you know, honestly, we, we got about as much as we did in the trailer, like, of the cool cowboy stuff. And yeah. I just, we never got that shot that's on the poster of the fucking skull cowboy we see him we see him once like Ugh. on the street when uh our our immigrant characters are like on the bus going to like the the warehouse lockdown Missed like they pass him and like, yeah we see like one shot he's just like leaning against a wall but yeah he would have been a, a a very cool villain but you know that's kind of par for the course with the purge movies yeah. where they like have a, a sort of ancillary villain that has a cool outfit that becomes like the whole marketing of the film and then he's not actually a big part of the movie. Yeah. You know, I was really wishing there was a twist in this movie. We were talking about this after the movie, but most of these movies have sort of a galaxy brain twist to them. Yeah. Which kind of takes generic premises like these and makes them more interesting. I was expecting one from this because, you know, they talk about, like, there was organization with the Forever Purgers. Right. And then they just don't do anything with that, really. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like, like they're setting up for another film, or... I think they are... Well, is the, TV the, Purge, the Purge 6 has already been confirmed. I haven't seen the TV series. It is a thing. I can't comment on it. Um, what I did think was kind of interesting is... At the end of election year, they kill off the new founding fathers and, like, make it possible for, like, a more, quote-unquote, progressive candidate to step in and, like, abolish the purge. And at the very beginning of this movie, they're just like, yeah, after that, the new founding fathers party just won again immediately. And mm. re and the first thing they did was reinstate the purge. And at first, I was kind of, I was kind of, like miffed by that where i was like that's a fucking that's lazy but then i thought about like the way things actually work in this country and i was like oh yeah it is just like the pendulum is just constantly swinging from uh like center left to to right isn't it like 
a liberal candidate will come in, be president for four years, do nothing, and then the far right party comes back with a vengeance. Well, yeah, and election year came out in 2016, right? During the the Hillary Trump stuff. So (laughs) I think part of that was a comment on, you know, kind of the the alternative to the new founding fathers was kind of the Hillary stand-in. Right, exactly. Uh, I mean, because that that character was, you know, a a girl boss liberal president, a liberal candidate. But (laughs) yeah, it's like, well... The new founding fathers are back in power. The purge is in effect again. Uh, You know, here we are. (laughs) Back at the beginning. But this time it's different because people don't stop purging after the night is over. Um, I I agree with you, though. Like, it would have been interesting to see some more of, like, how organized that is. Because by the end of the film, we know that, like, the the forever purge is happening across the country. Like there's there's certainly a, a high degree of organization behind it enough that they even like are united under a single symbol. Yeah. This like weird skull with the surrounded by an Ouroboros. Which I, I mean, wanted like, to see they totally got like together a, on 4chan. Yeah, I was gonna say right. I wanted yeah. to see cool. like the rare Pepe's and like their their <laughs> QAnon stand in. Yeah, and... dude, like that's that would be actually really interesting to see because th- this kind of thing like in in real america would absolutely be organized online and i think they are just trying to i think a big crux of this movie is like what if like qanon decided, was competent like yeah what if what if <laughs> qanon was actually like uh yeah competent yeah. or or had the had the guts to actually uh like take decisive action I think that it was a kind of a missed opportunity to not get more into that. Like, the, exactly, like, the fucking Mimi edgelords and stuff, like, organizing <laughs> that. Who designed that fucking flag that they're all united under, yeah. right? Veterans of the posting wars. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig that. It would be fun, yeah, if, like, the the cowboy group had, like, one techie guy who had a bunch of, like, Pepe shit. Well, they had comms, which was weird to me. All the forever purchers had, like, walkie-talkies. Yeah. And were talking to home base or whatever. But we never really got to see any of that. Yeah, yeah I, I once I know I, I think you're right. I think that uh, that they are setting up for a continuation of this in the next movie. In a lot of ways, like the first three Purge movies feel sort of like a trilogy, and then like the first Purge comes after that and is a prequel to all of it. And then this movie, I could kind of see them setting up for like a Forever Purge trilogy. Yeah. Because it's, by the end of it, it certainly feels like they have they're, they have more to, to say. Like, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't end cleanly. I don't know how I feel about that because I think, like, the novelty of The Purge is that it's, like, in normal America, one night a year, everyone gets to release their, you know, all of their anger and energy and, like, do crime and murder people. And then when you turn it into... A, the, as they say, the forever purge, where it's not just limited to one night a year, then it's just, it's not the purge anymore. It's just anarchy. Yeah, and if, it, if you're doing a trilogy, not to be confused with purge I, I, I would want them to have more compelling characters, right? Yes. Like, at least the originals had, like, Frank Grillo. And in the first one, which is much more of a self-contained slasher one, like, it has, like, Ethan Hawke and, like, Lena Headey and, mm-hmm. you know, um, not a very well-written film, but at least, you know, characters that 
you can sort of they're kind of tangible. Yeah. And yeah, then you've got fucking Frank Grillo for the second <laughs> one, for the second and third one. Yeah. Which is fun. Like yeah. he's fun action star kind of guy. And this one, the acting was good. You know, it was, it was it was serviceable. Yeah. But I don't, I don't feel, feel like, like there were any performance. I like Adele yeah, and Like I, yeah, I thought they were like. They were fun characters. I don't think they were particularly memorable, though. Yeah, that's really? my thing. I don't think anybody gave a per- a bad performance per se, but I didn't. I didn't find myself attached to any of these people. Yeah, I'm being well, real. I really like, liked Adela. Like Adela and Juan like, were the most interesting. Them, yeah. like them playing up her backstory with like knowing how to like handle a firearm was interesting. <laughs> I, what I will say <laughs> about really that, though, that hold on, hold on, line, let me finish. Though. I was a little disappointed that they answered that question. Because I thought it would have been really ballsy. Because here's the thing, right? We've got Adela who, like, at one point she picks up, like, an AR-15 or whatever and, like, clearly knows, like, how to utilize it, right? And it's like, clearly this person has some sort of, like, military training or background or whatever. And, you know, like, some guy, like, asks her, like, hey, you know, how'd you learn how to do that or whatever? And she just walks away. I wish that they had never brought it up again. Because here's the thing, right? Yeah, because their answer to it was fucking stupid. Well, their answer to it was silly, but, like... underdeveloped. But also... No one asks the male characters that. It's true. Right? Yeah. The guys, they just pick up, like, like Juan, like her, her husband, like, he picks up a gun. No one asks him where he learned fucking military training. Well, yeah, that's true. It's like, by the time they're, they're on the run, like, everybody is, like, they're all doing, like, the, the, the crouch walk, like, they're, they're all using, <laughs> They're all like, using, like, yeah, like, CQB tactics. Like, they yeah. don't know what the fuck they're doing, and, uh... Like that's that's cool. And I can you don't pass, need to explain that. that. They live like, in Texas. Yeah. Like that's that's all. And also, people, <laughs> people, all people watch need. movies. Like I've seen enough action <laughs> movies, and I think I feel like if I was given a real gun, I could imitate how people do it in the movies. Sure. You know? uh, like, but, but it was weird. Like they made it a, a big point. deal for her. For her, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, well, what about the guys? You know, like like what's the what's the big fucking deal? It's Texas. Everyone knows how to shoot a fucking gun. Like, well, she I gets- think there's missed opportunity there as well. You know, like just to play that off in one line is underwhelming. She should have like the thing, met yeah. up with one of her former colleagues well, they, or something. They did, or- but they don't really get a moment together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they do, like, like they do find the rose. And what I'll say about like it ending, I actually thought that this well, movie ended not- in a nicely like cyclical way in that respect because they return back to the the rose. Yeah. Well, that's not her colleague. That's from the beginning when they got them over the border for the first time. Right. They give her yeah. the rose. That's not her colleagues that were fighting the cartel. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like she gets asked later about like how she knows how to handle a gun and she has a single line about how she was part of an all-woman guerrilla uh unit that fought the cartels in Mexico. That's there's no no elaboration on that. It's just the one line and I agree with you like it felt like that needed to come back in some way it's like okay it's an explanation for how she knows how to like use assault weapons but what well see (laughs) what i was totally expecting was when they got to the like the bar you know that has the red rose in it Mm -hmm. and like that she was gonna find like some of her squad mates who just happened she should have yeah and like and then they would have been like like girl boss like going down the street like mowing down like maga that would have been that would have ruled that would have been like yeah um well because she because she says that like that's why she and her husband had to leave mexico 
and sneak across the border into America anyway because they were being hunted by the cartel. It would have made sense for her to meet more of her of her squad or whatever who also had been forced to flee to the U.S. to get away from the cartel. And that would have been so cool if they met up in the bar and it's like, oh yeah, we got the squad back together, you know? Mm-hmm. It would have been a cool moment. It would, and, been, uh, it would have been an opportunity for yeah. some cool action shit, and then it's just like... I will but, say... Then they find Hanzi, and... Yeah, but on that, though, with <laughs> Hanzi, that's one fun subversion of Westerns that I actually really liked in this movie, because normally Native Americans are evil in the old Westerns yeah. against God, cowboys. Yeah, you were talking about like, John Wayne movies and, and being problematic. That's, that's a, a big That's a <laughs> nice subversion in this movie in that... They are the heroes just shooting down these rednecks with explosive bow and arrows. arrows. Yeah. yeah, that was that is one of the the cooler things that they do. But then they 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 only utilize them when the guys are coming in on vehicles and not when they're just like shooting them later. It's like one well placed explosive arrow would kill that whole group of guys. That's yeah, I want to see a guy blow up. Yeah, Come right. on, give me what I want. Speaking of missed opportunity in that same scene, there's a there's a guy who has like a redneck bane mask, but instead of like filters, it's just like well gauged <laughs> like shells. Total missed opportunity to blow his face up. Yeah, yes. well, you got the guy with like the the weird jaw. Full of the bullets, bullets. too. I yeah. love yeah. that mask. Yeah, that was, that was cool a cool design. one. Yeah. All the costumes, underutilized. They're all given to side characters who get, like, no screen time. Um, and if they get screen time, it's blurry. <laughs> no, yeah, I agree. But uh, going back real quick uh, to uh, Adela, like, what, one of the things I really liked is leading up to that scene when she says, where she does give her backstory, they're in the movie theater, and some old Dracula film is running in the background, and it says, beware, his wives are wolves. And then right after they they say the bit about like you know like her like fighting the cartel and I did think that was fun. That's a nice little little touch. Um, yeah. I would not be surprised if that was completely accidental. No no no. Yeah. It was definitely intentional. It was. Definitely I don't know. That seems. I flagged it before before like like when it when they said the thing about the wives being wolves. She it, it is paired with her like holding a machine gun, looking badass and moving around. It is definitely by design. I think giving James DeMonaco a lot of credit, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I, thought, I thought it was heavy-handed. Going back a little bit, there's a point where Adela gets uh, split up with her manager, the black dude. Oh, uh, yeah, her boss. At work. Yeah, her yeah. boss. And uh, they're in, like, a, an armored cop vehicle oh, that gets so shot bad. down by an RPG. Yeah. I want to talk about... Multiple aspects of that, but first let's talk about There's a like lot to one. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the the crew in the back of that sheriff. I mean, the mo- that's the most important part. Yeah. Yeah, what's Just the... the crazed Nazi? Yeah, yeah, if there's if there's somebody in a movie that you have to make very obvious from the first time you see them that they're evil, what's the best way to do that? Slap a swastika onto their face. It's so heavy <laughs> Just a giant white supremacist guy who is just, that. that is him. He is white supremacist man, and that is his entire Embodied, character. yeah. I was exactly. just waiting for him to say the N-word, honestly. I was surprised that he didn't, considering how evil... Yeah, also he James was. DeMonaco's Italian, so that's surprise that's surprising that he didn't want to put the N word in this movie. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but uh man that that part was so fucking stupid where they're like driving through and he's listening to all of the gunshots happening outside and naming what type of gun it is dude i have known people like that i have fucking known people who who fucking get off on naming the sounds of gunshots in movies i love that i thought that ruled the one thing i was really hoping for i think that would have made that scene even better is if the car had crashed and like he had popped out and then helped them. Oh, I, I like you're gonna say popped out and said that's an RPG shot, right? <laughs> <laughs> also funny. But like, like I just I think that there could have been like a really good opportunity for for uh, like a, a subversion to have this character like with a fucking swastika tattooed on his face can't to like you know like yeah, you like can't have a good Nazi. Yeah. Well, no, 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 not a good Nazi. Still evil and fucked up but like with opinions i don't know i thought that could have been i funny. mean the people he would have been helping are a mexican woman and a black man that's kind of off-brand for somebody who has a swastika tattooed on their face yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know like it like, wouldn't it wouldn't have made sense it would have been a subversion no, 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 he, he could have just said like like hey oh oh this and pointed to it and then he could have said like i was just trying to survive in prison you know like and there you go done yeah there, there's i think there's if you're trying to, to survive in prison you get the swastika tattoo somewhere where it's maybe less obvious for when you get out of prison yeah yeah but then it doesn't work as a bit but like uh <laughs> <laughs> i mean reality yeah sure let's actually let's talk about like the different types of characters like uh portrayed here um one thing i was a little concerned about at the very beginning of the film was that they were going to make all the cowboys bad. I wasn't like super concerned about it because I could really give a shit. Like I'm not. I'm not so tied to the persona that I would take offense to it. But like Texas would be offended. Texas though. would be offended, and uh, that that's fine. Texas gets offended very easily. But uh, yeah, the, it's the, not hard to offend yeah, no, Texas. Um, <laughs> they say don't mess with Texas, but it's in kind of a whiny voice if you listen closely. <laughs> uh, don't mess with Texas. Yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, what are you gonna do about it. Yeah, come on, come on, Texas. You, you're you'll be all right. Anyway. I was saying to myself, I hope that there's at least, like, one good cowboy character. Because at the start, the majority of the cowboy characters all seem to be, like, racist or whatever. And that's fine. You can have most of your cowboys be racist or whatever. But give me just one tertiary cowboy who isn't a racist. And we yeah, do. And we do. get that. And then he, but then they kill him off immediately. That's okay. That's all right. We got one. That That, that was dad, enough for me. Yeah. And honestly, better. Because, uh, you know, then, then we get an opportunity where the son, who is a little racist... Has some He's teachable racist. moments, yeah. racist, you know. Dude. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, the I joke mean, is it's impossible to be, like, it, or it's, it's kind of hard to very, be a little racist. It's very obvious from the get go when, like, one of his early lines is like, uh, his wife is pregnant, and the sister or whatever is telling them, it's like, oh, I can introduce you to our housekeeper's sister. He's like, no, we don't want to talk to her sister because I don't even know if I want my child growing up speaking Spanish. See what I thought and, like, is that was going to be a subversion. And he was going to be fucking her. Oh, see, that would have been interesting. Mm, and yeah. so he was but, playing it up a little bit because really he was getting some on the side and he wanted to, he was, you know, like trying to not have those two worlds of his collide. Well, it's, it's very, it's very obvious from when that moment happens, like, okay, we're setting up our main characters here. So he's gonna, he's gonna end up being saved by uh, Adela and Juan or whatever. And, you know, he's going to turn around and realize that, you know, maybe Mexican 
Mexicans aren't so bad after all. And sure enough, like that is what happens. Yes, kind it of. is. Well, see what I like too is like the but they they handle it they handle it in like such a, a like stumbling clumsy way that like I don't think he's ever likable. No, no, and he's the, not. But but that's okay. Like, but I what, feel like he's supposed to be. Yeah, no, I think it's just right. I think it's just right because, like, you get you get this character. So when I say kind of racist, what I mean is like he's he's racist enough to be like redeemable, which you don't get very often in movies. You don't get, and it, it, I I found that really refreshing. And I would like to see that more often. Is racist characters who can learn, like who can come around from their their errors, because in real life that's important. Like, you have to be able to fucking teach people it's ignorance that's the fucking problem. Yeah. And movies mm-hmm. are bad about that. Like, they always just have the villain be super racist and a villain so they can kill him off. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But, like, it was nice to get that in this yeah, film. Yeah, I mean, like, there we had a character be, who was, like, like people like, need and to be like, a little racist. Yeah. He was racist enough to be, like, made unracist by the Well, end, see, here's, like, here's the thing, learn. is they make sure to put in a scene midway through where he explains exactly how racist he is, so we know that he's not, like, super racist. I like that. So that he is, so that he is redeemable. I, I mean, I... Because, like, honestly, I, though, I, like, I think how was, often have you heard, like, because I've definitely heard that perspective from, I don't, like, people I don't have I don't have a problem with him being redeemed by the end of the film, like, but I I do think that that insertion was clumsy and that he still is not likable by the end no, of no, no. it. No, no, no. Because what he says is like at, they're driving in their, their bulletproof semi truck. Uh, and Juan said, like, he's like, I, you know, I want to cut the shit. Like, you don't like Mexican people. Like, it's obvious. Like, don't lie to me. And he's just like, well, I know I don't dislike Mexicans. I don't honestly, I don't think white people are better than anybody else. I just think you should stick with your own. So he's, he doesn't think he's not a white supremacist, but he he's is, a xenophobe. but he is opposed to racial, uh, integration. Well, he yeah, wants, or, he, or wants at least. Keep, he wants to keep the races separate or, you know, separate but equal, which, uh, you know, <laughs> was what the fucking 60s was all about. Yeah, yeah no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like, and it's like coming out of that, I'm like, OK, so why are we why are we supposed to think that he's any better for that by saying he doesn't think white people are better, but he does think people shouldn't be mixed? We're not. The the response to it, like, is really important because then one says too fucking bad we're together now yeah we are like together. one gets yeah. the yeah. upper hand over him that's the whole point of that conversation and then like by the end of it they're watching each other's backs and whatever and no like there isn't enough runtime by that point for him to come around to be redeemed i agree with that like mm-hmm. like you are right like it's by the end of the movie I, I was not in love with this character i was never in love with this character yeah. but i think that's okay it's not really about his character it's about one well, that's the thing. I think he gets more screen time and character development than Juan does. Mm, I I damn. agree. I You're agree right, with though. you. Yeah, that's fair. I agree that's with you. Fair. I think it's supposed to be about Juan, but Juan doesn't have much of a character arc, does he? He doesn't change much no. throughout the film. No. And but Juan doesn't really need to change. Like that's that's not too dissimilar. Like from like a nameless cowboy. He doesn't, cowboy he in doesn't that necessarily respect. need to change, but he there needs to be some kind of arc for him whereas like the the only kind of racist cowboy character gets the most 
quote-unquote character development of anybody in the movie. And he is the one who is the most, I, I think in big, bold letters, protagonist of the movie. Yeah. I don't think he should be. I think that's the problem because like he's sort of redeemed by the end, but he's never likable. Yeah. Well, it's almost as if they have a sort of role reversal with the cowboy and Juan. You know, when he has to become the immigrant escaping well, yes. America. Oh, we're getting to that. To yeah. Mexico. No, we're, we're getting to the time. best yeah. ticking clock I have ever fucking seen in a movie. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah. So well, every every purge has a ticking clock. Yeah. Like that's that is integral to the franchise. It's always survive until morning, survive until the end of the purge. But this time, the ticking clock is a little bit different. Yes, it is, and I fucking love it. The purge has taken off. It's now the forever purge. It's the next night. People are still purging. Which let me just stop and rewind a little bit on that. And how, how much I adore this, because my gripe with the Purge movies has always been, why do people stop? Why don't people just keep keep being violent or whatever? It, it could never be so simple as just stopping. And this movie answered that in the best way. They couldn't. This is, this is unsustainable. And it rules. So they, they take off. They're still purging. The military has completely just given up, which unrealistic they have predator drones but that's fine well see here's Uh, the thing they they mention when we hear in a news broadcast that the the u.s military has been deployed to every city in the united states which invites us to consider an interesting alternate america where enough of our military is at home and not overseas enforcing imperialism in the middle east and (laughs) elsewhere that they actually can deploy the military to every major city city in america at once oh at boy. once yeah within within hours oh. well the, all they needed to do is deploy predator drones is my piece but like, i mean yeah they're not opposed to uh you know droning my drone assumption was but the big thing that stops them in el paso is the big army base gets bombed yes. out and my assumption from that is there were people on the inside Probably. You know, working. Yeah, it would be absolutely unreasonable to think that there wouldn't be a shitload of people in the military who wouldn't also want to ethnically cleanse the country. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably a good chunk. Um, there's Which is largely, I think, why like the military actually dissolves, if we want to be real. We don't see that, but that's, yeah. that's almost certainly what probably. occurs. And I think it is implied. They know that there's no safe place to go, and they get word that both Mexico and Canada are are opening their borders for six hours. Why six hours? Why six hours? Fuck you, that's I don't know. why. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and that rules. Well, it it, basi- it basically excludes anybody who's not within 400 miles of a border. <laughs> and so, why? Who cares? So anybody who's in, like, the heartland of America or who doesn't live in Texas... Oh, guess you fucked. Yeah. Fucked. But uh, Canada and Mexico open their borders for six hours, so then they, they gotta get across the border to Mexico. So the roles are reversed. Now now it's America that is is uh, in anarchic turmoil, and Mexico is the safe haven where you have to seek asylum. Dude, the, what I love about it is the camera, like, the camera work and the editing is perfect on this shot because, like, it starts with the news broadcast, like, Canada and Mexico are opening their borders for the next six hours. And you see, like, uh, like Juan or uh, someone says, um, like, 
we have to get to Mexico. And then someone else says, we have to get to Mexico. And it just like cuts up. It cuts to the white guy's face and zooms in. And I swear to God, I just heard like, boom, 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 boom. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and or just you see fucking Kirk his face. Like, you just, you just see like his whole face like fucking drop. And he's like, oh, oh no, we shouldn't be mixing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like the like this guy like also, realizing course, he has to immigrate is of course so that his fucking that funny. his wife is pregnant too, so he has to get her to Mexico so she can have the baby safely, right? In Mexico, the, and also, rules. but also like that means that they can't get deported either because now that's an anchor baby because it's born in Mexico, so it's a Mexican citizen. Exactly. No, no. Well, I I, I said it. This is smart. Nobody's ever thought of anything like this. Dude, 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 dude. I said it. I said it during the movie like like i said uh like after the the final scene where she has her baby in mexico like i i, I leaned over because i was just like damn missed opportunity to call it an anchor baby yeah. like like i would have like i don't like, think that's a pc like, if, term though <laughs> god if if juan had walked up and just been and just been like isn't he beautiful and and he would have just said like yeah it is a beautiful anchor baby cut to credits man like, that would have been so funny yeah. well th- that's that to, to go back to the the semi-racist cowboy like that's scene is like his quote-unquote redemption because throughout the entire movie he keeps telling Juan to speak English he's like I can't understand you I don't know what you're talking about and then in that scene when he goes in and he's like holding his baby Juan and Adela walk in and Juan says congratulations to him in Spanish oh does he that's really fun yeah he says he says says congratulations to him in Spanish and it cuts to the, the racist cowboy holding the baby and it pauses for a second because you're waiting for him to say I don't know what that means or speak English but then he goes muchas gracias Juan and then they turn around and walk away and it rolls credits yeah. like he's not racist anymore now he thinks it's okay to mix cultures. we've cured racism we've cured racism we we've did done, it I love, yeah, we, we did it and then meanwhile like the entire United States is burning yeah zoom out them. to the satellite to the satellite <laughs> yeah. shot of the entire but US hey, burning all, all, all of the United States burning alright we saved one cowboy that's right you know yeah. we saved one we cowboy turned, from racism we turned one cowboy not racist yeah. mission accomplished well, Roll tight. We, we did it. It only cost the entire United States. Which, <laughs> I mean, damn, kind of accurate though. But like, that's fine. Hey, I, if we can all turn one cowboy, <laughs> just think about all the good we can do. Imagine yeah. all the people living. That, that has a ripple effect. So, kind of is though, Adela has that. a boss who's in the police truck. Yes, and back to him. She splits up with him, and then we never see him again. Yeah, he tells her, or she tells him to, like, when when they show up with the semi-truck, she tells him to come with them, and he's like, no, I gotta go to my family. And then he runs off, and that's it. And, that's and it, she's like, yeah. thank you, I owe you my life. And then hops on the truck, and that's it, yeah, yeah, bye-bye. Like, uh, like, I was so waiting for him to show up again. Dude, dude the, the perfect chance to do it would have been during... The, the border opening sequence. When everything has gone to shit, the military bases have closed down, we just get a quick cut of him standing in front of his wife and kid getting mowed down. We, then we have a personal connection to the tension. Like, oh my god, our home really is destroyed. Look, our neighbors are all dying. Look at this character we know dying. Would have been dandy. Like, like great opportunity. But no, we just forget about him and move on. Yeah. Just like yeah, the movie forgot yeah. about the black hat guy who saw the poster who <laughs> fucking rules. Where is my dude? <laughs> yeah, just very haphazard. I will yeah, say, my boy? the other <laughs> funny so cool. standout, though, was... Uh, 
in the theater, in the back of the theater, it's like a haunted house almost. Yeah, and like the misfits. Halloween yeah, time? the misfits just appear basically. Yeah, <laughs> they're all look like dressed up as vampires and horror punks. Like... Okay, so there's a vampire movie playing. So maybe they were staff who decided to get a little purgy. And just hang on the wall and wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? It was fun. It was a fun Not jump me. scare. They're, they had vampire yeah, teeth, yeah. and then she blew their heads off. That was rad. She, like, stuck the, her gun, like, in that dude's mouth. I thought they that was were cool. really not prepared, huh? They honestly weren't. That guy just kind of hopped out and said, blah, and then died. <laughs> you know what would have been cool is if she had shot him in the face and his vampire teeth had flown out and, like, stuck in her neck or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was sort of looking at, at, at the Purge from a broader lens. Um, I was talking to uh, our, our mutual friend Jillian this morning about these movies. Shout out to Jillian. Uh, she doesn't listen to this show. That's okay. Uh, she explicitly says she doesn't want to because she was worried it might be bad. And she's right. Uh, <laughs> Damn, Jillian. Uh, <laughs> well, now we'll just tell her we called her out on the podcast. Jillian, yeah, I'm calling you to, out. Now she has to listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but she brought up something that I think is is really true, especially the more I think about it. Especially coming off of our discussion of the Saw franchise recently. Jillian was saying that like the Purge movies are sort of this decade's answer to Saw. I dig that. And I think she's right. Because, like, the Saw franchises we talked about is, like, such an encapsulation, at least, like, the first seven movies, of, like, the post-9-11 America and sort of, like, the the ethos of, like, torture and paranoia and stuff that followed up around that. And these Purge movies dumb or not because they mostly are stupid but they do feel like they're really trying to distill like America in this moment whether they're successful at that or not is a different discussion but also like something I think is worth mentioning too is like can either of you guys name another horror franchise that has gotten to five movies and has had the creator directly integra- integrally writing, if not directing, every single installment? I can't think of anything. Good or bad, I, I, I do see that as impressive. I, I think it's worth mentioning is that, like... This is like the Purge universe has been James DeMonico's like singular vision for like 10 years now. That rules. And yeah. he he like Real he time. hasn't directed these last two, but he has still written. They are very much his movies. And he's yeah. a, I did see that he is also a writer on the Purge TV show, which I still haven't seen. Mm-hmm. It's like he is like this has yeah. been his franchise continually through five movies like even daryl lynn bowsman doesn't have five saw movies i think the closest is like the insidious series but that got to four yeah and and by the end like james wan wasn't directing them anymore i think james wan directed the first two yeah and then he was attached as executive producer on all of them but lee winnell wrote like all of them right not the fourth one no not the last key no definitely not uh, I think he wrote the first two. Editor's note. Mattis is wrong. Lee Wanell did in fact write Insidious The Last Key, as well as all the other Insidious films, except for Insidious The Dark Realm.
And there's four the instances. How many Purge movies is that? Like, what, what number is this? This is five. Christ. And they also have a TV show and, with and two seasons, mm-hmm. I think. Damn. Um, it's impressive. Yeah, it's the impressive. Other, the other, only other one I can think of, and this one ended a while ago, so it's not even completely comparable, is uh, Paranormal Activity got to five or six. Paranormal Activity and got to cool. seven movies, but not the same people working on really? it. Really? I thought Oren Pelly was involved in some aspect i think executive producer at most on some of them and i don't think that really counts yeah um it's weird and and kind of impressive like you said that james monaco has managed to have like such creative control over this franchise yeah and considering how big a movie series it is in terms of budget that is very impressive i'm surprised you didn't mention bad ben Oh, damn. More I than five right um, there. Yeah, damn. Uh, shout out to the Bad Ben franchise. <laughs> God damn. God damn, you're right. Uh, like, uh, I think there's eight, maybe nine of them and other things in the works. But uh, those are a singular vision by a singular man. Um, not quite the same budget, but no, James, not, not quite. You know, close, James but DeMonico not exactly. The found footage. God damn. No, no, seriously, though, I'm picking those movies soon. Like, we're, we're going to watch some Bad Ben movies at some point for the podcast. We have to. We have to. I'll take we can watch some it. of them. I don't know about all of them. Oh, uh, we got to get you Ben-brained, though. Does it take all of them to get Ben-brained? Yes. Well, <laughs> no, no. It only takes, it only takes like, two, and, yeah, and you're, already, you're on. Ben's already You'll be yeah, sold. Right. You'll want to watch them. You'll be invested. It's all right. It's all right. Once you get into the, the, the deep lore, the clown deep lore and the Jersey Devil stuff, like, you'll, you'll see. The witch bitch, you know? Like, these are all core characters. It's, you know, it's almost as rich as, like, it really it deserves its own, like, Lord of the Rings-esque appendices, frankly. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Anywho, back to the movie we're here to talk about. My last bit was often I have the complaint that a film needs to pick a lane. And that it's just it sits a safe middle of the road and isn't, you know, like and never reaches in one direction or the other. I thought this movie picked a lane and really fucking wrote it. I, I mean, respect I think, the fuck out yeah, of that. I I think the purge as a as a franchise in general uh picks a lane for sure. Uh, I just don't think it it really uh, knows how to drive straight within its lane. And honestly, though, and I like, don't think that's necessarily a problem. No, when when yeah. it's like it's such a messy subject matter, I think it's great that it's delivered I don't wanna, in a messy way. I don't look for a whole lot of depth in these movies, no. but uh, yeah, yeah. I, at this point, I do look for creativity and fun. And I think that as a whole, this film is pretty squarely in the middle of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, it's far from the most creative and fun, but it's also pretty far removed from, like, the worst that the franchise has to offer. And that's a really weird thing, too, is that, like, the pretty large quality gaps for a franchise that has been a singular creative vision, like... The fact that James DeMonico has written all of these things and directed three of them, and the quality swings wildly. It's almost like he's doing a one for you, one for me type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. I respect that. Yeah. I, I think this this film kind of uh, paradoxically both does and does not uh, break the trend of one good, one bad, one good, one bad. It. It maintains the trend in the in the respect that it is a step down in quality from the movie that comes before it, but I don't think this is a bad movie. Well, I think what it shows is that 
as a whole, the Purge series is getting better. Because the last one was the best, and that was the highest high. Mm -hmm. And even to follow with a low, the low is still higher than it would be before. It's true, yeah. I mean, I do think that that election year is the worst in the franchise, and that came immediately before the first Purge. So interesting that it goes from worst to best, back to back. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think whether... You know which one is the worst is debatable. I know you think that the the original film is, is yeah. the worst. I don't think it's much better than no. Than they're both Year, bad, but they're both but... pretty shitty. I was looking into what else this director did, Everardo Gout, because uh, I'd never heard of him, and for good reason. He has not really done anything. He directed like some episodes of like a Nat Geo show and did some other movie, Days of Grace. And the only other big thing on his uh, filmography is he was the second unit director on the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet movie from 1996. Oh, <laughs> like, Whoa, yeah, I don't know. got the glow up, what, 25 years? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where they found this dude. Like, why? why he, did, was... he did a fine job. He did. Like, a, the direction he did a, is serviceable. He did a perfectly competent like, job. Yeah, in a, okay. In a perfectly competent film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't you throw a rating on the end of you that? You know what? I sure well uh it is uh it's it was okay it was just okay it was just okay dog like i i i didn't have a bad time watching it but uh i did think it dragged in places and i was really missing like some of the the kooky creativity i'd come to expect from this franchise and for a purge movie set in texas like i really wanted like more western tropes and not just you know what what sums up this movie is this is your run of the mill purge movie in a cowboy hat and uh, <laughs> and for yeehaw. that reason yeehaw i'm going to uh i'll give it a 3 out of 5 i think this movie is the definition of a 3 out of 5 it's very <laughs> serviceable it's not bad but it's not also it's not like grabbing either like see it if you watch the series it's fun but like don't go out of your way if you haven't seen this one like go and see the first purge number four yes yeah purge film number four titled the first purge yes yeah this is a three out of five for me it's it's serviceable it's not bad so though we kind of forgot about the black hat (laughs) um i'd be surprised to hear that there weren't recuts in this movie reshoots even all that aside i am fucking starved for cowboy horror like there's just not enough horror westerns out there i've got like Agreed. like what what do i have what do I have? i've got no country for old men which that's is not a horror, hardly that's not even a horror, horror movie. movie exactly it's, it's really a thriller tomahawk. oh shit yeah, yeah. you've got bone, bone tomahawk. tomahawk uh uh i guess lost boys i don't know i still haven't seen that one yet like no not still it, it, see like near, near, near dark near dark yeah, yeah near like, dark, dark kind of i Western. need i need a fucking proper hey what about horror movie what about the pale door cleveland See, and that's why I like that so much for the same reason, even though it was super low budget. It was terrible. It was terrible, but I loved it. I just, I need it. I need it in my life, guys. If you're listening to the podcast uh, and you happen to know of a good cowboy horror movie that is a proper cowboy horror movie, please add us. Please yeah, let us know. Let us I know. need it. But what um, would you rate this? I'm going to give it a, a good 3.5. I liked it enough for that. And what I will actually, I will disagree. 
having not seen any of the other Purge movies, I really, really liked it. Like, and I was, I was really I surprised. In, I think you're in the best place to, to like it, to having hear not that. seen any of the other yeah. Right, movies. I was really surprised to hear that from you guys, that this movie was kind of middling in respect to the other yeah. Purge films, because, like, I was pretty taken aback by the budget. Like, there were so many, like, destroyed American city streets Oh, the Purge movies and, have budget. Yeah, like, like yeah, it was... It was that's, that's never been the problem. Mm-hmm. Like, Ethan Hawke was the lead in the first one. Like, the Purge has always had budget. Sure, sure. Like, that's never been an issue. Uh, but yeah, so like I, um, I, I had a really great time. Like uh, my gripes aside, I, it was it's enough to take like a star and a half off. So um, you know, like, uh, but not not too much more than that. Like, uh, like I said, I, I really liked the the characters, and I really liked the heavy handed commentary for once. Normally, it, it really depends on like what I've eaten this morning uh, when it comes to like incorporating politics into a film. I don't think that a film needs to have like I, I need to share politics of the movie to enjoy it i just think it needs to be like done well or at least done fun i don't think this movie's done well but it is done fun when it comes to that stuff we didn't uh we didn't mention the uh the budding but failed romance between the the one mexican friend and the semi-racist cowboy's sister because he's tipping his hat at her for like the whole movie. I know. And then they and then they go into the the convenience store to find supplies, and he finds the peanut butter, and she finds, finds the, the jelly. jelly. <laughs> so then, uh, and then he even says this could work, but then he gets shot, uh, and she's sad about it, wow, and he wow. can't tip his hat anymore. I know, because he's dead. Cause and he's like, dead. like what the fuck? Like, like they just had to kill somebody. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, man. Feel that his death was, was needed we had for the plot. An, we could have had an interracial love story, but no, we could have. We could have. You know, I honestly, I really liked that peanut butter jelly scene. Unironically, <laughs> like I thought it was. I thought it was thought, pretty bad. I thought it was bad. Corny. I thought it was bad and corny. But also, like I appreciated these characters were trying to find any light that they can in sure. such a horrifying environment. Sure. I thought that was fun. And it, is it is it dumb? Yes. But is it charming? Very. They got the peanut butter and the jelly, but they didn't get to make a sandwich. Aww. Anywho, Poor that will out. that will give the Forever Purge a perfectly serviceable average of three point two out of five pods. Um, I'm just saying, if if this movie had more of the black hat in it, it would have been a five out of five for me. Like I would have, I would have, I would have done it. It would have been more interesting if it if had he just a, shown up in it again it at the end. Better villain. Yeah. I'm I'm easy. Like like just give me more cowboys. Give me more evil cowboys. It's fun. We have some results for this yes. movie because we need to do predictions. Yes, we predicted this one. Ben. So uh, for Rotten Tomato score, Teese, you predicted this would be a 40. Uh, Cleve, you said 22. And I said 37. I'm feeling pretty good about uh, it. Right now, it's sitting at 45. <sighs> yes. I so in. Yeah. pulled it out. Uh, so in terms of our collective score... Uh, Tease, you predicted 2.3. Cleve, you predicted 2.5. I predicted 2.8. Oh, wow. So I I got a point in there. Coming back up. So at half of the year. uh, It was halftime. Yes. Tease, you are sitting at 7. Cleve, you're sitting at 4. And I'm sitting at 3. Nice. So... Looks like Tease is picking our mid-year catch-up. Yeah. Yes, and that will be next week's episode. Um, for a couple of reasons, uh, scheduling conflicts with the three of us, and also considering that, like, five of our last six episodes have been new movies, uh, I'm just picking two for our mid-year catch-up instead of three. 
Um, so next week we will be talking about my picks, which are um, Death Ranch and Honeydew. I'm very excited about both of these. Yeah, great choices. I am too. Um, Shame we're not picking Skull the Mask. I have heard. Right I have heard good things about both of those, and you can pick that on your own at some point. I just might because yeah. we uh, we have our own picks. And honestly, another part of the reason that I'm doing this is because I think my next pick is going to be another 2020 film. So we're we're plenty well caught up this year maybe more so than we have been yeah we've been uh, current this year just uh, just yeah. about any other year i'm into it uh so yeah uh join us next week for our mid-year catch-up episode Henry the Dale. sponsor shelf it is glowing once again the shelf yes the shelf yes the uh the shelf here we are and the shelf tells us that this episode was brought to you by the music from the pizza delivery mini game from Spider-Man 2. Hell yeah, bro. Bit of a deep cut. Bit of a deep cut, this one. but uh, That's a good sponsor. But yeah. uh, That shit slapped. One might say, pizza time. <laughs> it's pizza time. It's pizza time. It's pizza time. And uh, if you don't know what that means, I don't know. Watch a movie. Uh, no, it's from the video game. The, the pizza delivery. Well, I, I meant the quote, the, the pizza time, the uh, bit when he when he says, you know, pizza time. That's that's when he says. Yes, uh, that's true. In Spider-Man Two, <laughs> right. he, goes, he says pizza, or is it is it the first one? It's the first one because he's still a pizza boy at that time. No, it's Spider-Man Two. It is Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Where he says yeah, pizza yeah. time. Still a pizza boy, pizza time, pizza time. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> Stop. Did you just say? Yeah. Yeah. Still, yeah. Hold on. Let me break that one down. Let me break that one down. He, he said he's still a spider boy. No, I said he's still a pizza boy in pizza time. <laughs> yeah. I thought you said he's still a spider boy in pizza time. Whichever. It's. A I think great you said anyway. We'll just have to roll it, it back. Pizza he's still time. a pizza boy in pizza time. In pizza time. <laughs> Uh, like a Spider-Man, you, any way you swing it. Yeah, yeah, dude. Wow. Okay. Yeah, oh. it's he's you know when he's the Spider Boy in Pizza Time. In pizza Time. He says he says the iconic words. It's, it's Peter <laughs> Go. Anyway, shout out Spider-Man Two had really good web. That web swinging mechanic was really fun, wasn't it? Yeah, dude. That That's game. a not exactly a hot take. The movie, but uh, the best. Well, second best to Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, Alfred Molina. Yep. It's Go watch Spider-Man 2. I guess so, yeah. That is, that is a damn movie. That might be a five for me. Yeah, that's a solid film. It's, it slaps. It does. Anyway, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and a nice review. You can also support the show by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. We got a few... Uh, different reward tiers on there, but don't worry, none of our content is paywalled, so you will always get every episode for free. Uh, but if you become a patron, you might get them early. Also, you can request movies for us to review, and that's pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's pretty true. cool. If you subscribe to the honorary Podboy tier, you can uh, uh, give us suggestions for films to review on the podcast but i swear to god uh, if you if you at me with a or any of us with a with a cowboy horror movie i almost certainly will pick it if that he's not lying i'll do it you don't have to subscribe to the patreon i'll pick that as mine well (laughs) but 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 you should subscribe to our patreon and and (laughs) that would be great too and then you can get two movies you know picked 
you know, lucky you. Anyway, uh, you could follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. Uh, if you're so inclined, partners, you can follow me on Twitter at some spooky snake. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Sheets. And I'm tweeting for LightArc Studio as we put out progress on It Stares Back. We've got the Drowned Queen coming out next, our next chapter on the game. You all should definitely join our Discord. Check it out on Steam, early access. Uh, we've got a lot of content already, hours of it for you to play. And you can join our Discord and talk to us about the game there as well. Uh, you can also find my work on ArtStation. If you search Cleveland Mosier, I am occasionally taking commissions. But right now, I'm mostly just working for Dread XP, baby. Um, uh, as we put out some really cool games over there right now, working on, uh, Spookware, y'all stay posted. If you like WarioWare-esque games, but with, like, an Undertale, like, cute skeletons vibe, oh my god, this game is amazing. I, I, I'm putting on kind of like a, like a, an ad voice right now. Fuck that. It's, it fucking slaps, man. Like, I've been, I've been playing a lot of it. It rules. Highly recommended. Get excited about Spookware. Um, that's all for me. Alrighty, folks. Well, we appreciate y'all stopping by these parts. And until next time, say yeehaw as you go. Or, who doggies? Either one. Doggies! Doggies!